Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank here with Byron. And Byron, before we get into the show, let the listeners know why they should be listening to Politically Entertaining and how they can find us. There are a ton of things going on and you need to be informed on them. I know everybody doesn't like to watch news on a daily basis. That's where Frank and I come in. We try to condense it, tell you what you should be looking out for and what's going on. You can find us. We're on uh, Facebook, Politically Entertaining. We're on Twitter at The Vocal Minority. We also have a YouTube page, Politically Entertaining. So you can find us at any one of those platforms. We're also available on anything from Google Play to iTunes to Podbean, uh, Stitcher Radio. We're available on pretty much any platform you get your podcast. So please check us out. Please subscribe, rate us, rate us and tell a friend about us. We normally start off with a light topic at the beginning. But Frank, we got so much to get into today. Let's just get into the show. Listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now, your hosts, Frank and Byron. Okay, want to thank you once again for joining us, Politically Entertaining. As I said, we're available on Stitcher Radio, Podbean, iTunes, almost combined those two iTunes and Podbean, Google Play. Just look for us and you'll find us, Politically Entertaining. Frank, we got a lot to get into today. And the the first thing I wanted to talk about is not necessarily any type of breaking news. I would say it's news that's been ongoing for the last three years. And that is the relationship with the media and Donald Trump. And what I wanted to get off my chest was, once again, in my opinion, the media is doing us a huge disservice and they're letting us down. So in 2016, they carried nearly every word this man said from every way he had to every tweet he put out there. The media was right there like an excited puppy to just cover it and just give us wall to wall coverage on Donald Trump. They pretty much were a free commercial for the guy. He bragged about how he didn't have to spend that much money in ads because CNN, NBC, Fox, they pretty much gave him all the exposure he needed. So in my opinion, they helped elect this guy. And now all of a sudden they want to recoil at the things he's done, the things he's trying to do, whether it's, uh, you know, locking up families in cages down on the border to retweeting uh, uh, racist, white supremacist, uh, fake, fake news and ideas. They cover it all and now they want to recoil at it. And my thing is. You help get the man elected. Now you recoil at what he's doing. Yet you're doing the same thing. Frank, I understand the president of the United States is considered to be one of, if not the most powerful person in the world. So when he tweets out something, I get that the media should cover that. However, with this guy, he is the most unusual, unorthodox politician we've ever seen. And we need he needs to be covered differently. Therefore, you don't need to cover every tweet he sends out. A lot of his tweets are just insults at other politicians and other public figures. A lot of them are just flat out lies that can be proven wrong. 
yet they cover it all and they put it out there to the masses. So my question for you is, if the media sees that he's, I mean, because they flat out call him a white supremacist. Don Lemon on CNN called him a racist about a year and a half ago. Now the big thing is calling him a white supremacist. So if you feel that he's a white supremacist, why do you keep continuing to put his message out there that has nothing to do with policy, nothing to do with uh, America furthering an agenda or anything? Why keep covering some of the nonsense that this guy puts out, but then act so so taken aback when he says and does certain things? Why hasn't the media learned their lesson from 2016? Whoo, man. You, you you got you 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 were on one. I give you that. I give you that. I'm just gonna say before I, I even say anything. I gave was, you a lot. That was what you said is pretty much. It's sad that a, a lot of the media doesn't understand the perspective that that you have, and that's and that's incredible because, like I said, we we're you know we're two guys on this podcast and we consider ourselves to be informed, and and and, and I just think that. When you look at the echo chamber they've created, they've, as you said, they elected him. But then on top of that, they desensitized us to him as well, right? Because one of the things you mentioned very clearly, they cover every little thing. And in the past, right, we'll say, you know, Obama, uh, you know, Bush, either one, Clinton, there was there, were, there, were, there was a different era. They weren't, you know, first of all, I mean, even, even Obama's really the only president that was a social media president. Um, I don't really yes. consider you know, George W. Bush to be, because I mean, he, I don't think he was on Twitter and, you know, and, and, and Twitter was so, was, was, I mean, Facebook came out in like 2000, I, th- I feel like four and it really picked yeah, up in 2006. Even, it really picked up in 2006, not, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I'm not even, even sure if Twitter was out. I, I, when Bush Twitter, was in all. Exactly. Twitter might not even been out. So I don't want to, you know, go, go on a tangent on that. But what I'm saying is they have, this is, they're going to have to read, the media got to recalibrate how they cover politicians. And now, I mean, in particular the president, right? Because it used yes. to be everything a president did was noteworthy. Like, hey, he did this, he did that. And now it's like Donald Trump is from a different arena. He is the reality TV mogul. He lives he lives for, like, being covered at every angle. So everything he does is not consequential. As you mentioned, the president is the most powerful office probably in the world and the most powerful elected office in the world, to say that. I mean, I'm sure there's some dictators out there that would beg to differ, but... As far as elected officials, I would say the president has, is, is the highest, um, has most power. And so we as media, including us, right, even even, even our show, even we have a responsibility to say, hey, enough is enough, right? Like if there's something happening, cover the news part of it. Let's not cover what he said about it. Let's just cover the policy part of it. What is, what is the policy? What are the ramifications behind what is being done? For example, DACA. What are the positive ramifications? The ICE stuff. What are the positive ramifications? How can we vote? What What are the things we can do versus getting infuriated that he's, you know, basically sending out snarky tweets and 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 agreeing with, you know, say, uh, you know, alt right views or whatever the term they're using now, white supremacy, whatever it is. Um, and, and so to me, I think I think the main thing would be is for is for the media in general and people in general to realize that. Everything this man, everything a president says is not necessarily noteworthy, and we're used, to, and we were used to that, and that, and that's a recalibration, right? Because the president yeah. used to only, you know, speak, you know, um, you know, whatever. What do they say? Um, 
speak softly and carry a big stick. That was a general, that was a mantra of most presidents, right? Like if they had something to say, it's like, oh, okay. You know, E.F. Hutton, when he speaks, everyone listens. Like it was that kind of thing. And now it's just like an incessant flow of diarrheal material where it's just like, you can throw that away. You can flush that away. There's nothing, there's, <laughs> there's nothing useful with that. And, and so, so we true. have got, we have got to recalibrate ourselves, including us, right? We're responsible too, to be mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're not going to cover Donald Trump every show unless he's doing something that impacts a policy that we can affect by say, Hey, a voting, or there's, there's, there's something we can do if he's just doing, I mean, and like I said, he has basically kept his base because of the way the media has covered him. I honestly feel like it would have been, you know, you know, they say feed a, uh, feed a cold, starve a fever. I feel like he's that kind of, he's a fever. And I feel like if the media had just kind of let him get elected and ignored his tweets, his base would kind of be like, oh yeah, well, you know, they, his base rallies behind the fact that the media continues to cover him, not because he's doing anything he said he was doing for his base, but because he's under attack all the time. So it's like, his base is like, see, he's under attack. We got to, you know, so that he's, he's basically in a perpetual rally campaign mode. And that's why going into 2020, I know people are like, Hey, Trump's not going to win. I'm like, his base is energized exactly. and the media has kept it energized for the last three years. And, and, and like I said, I don't want to get on, get down the road about reelection, but I'm just saying like the, you, you can see what's happening. And, and so, like I said, you laid a great groundwork and I wish the media would, we, I wish we could take that first clip that you put and send it to all the media outlets and be like, you only listen to this and cover it news differently. <laughs> what he has mastered man is what he has mastered is creating the illusion of a crisis and then he will announce for instance he will announce a policy that's already been in place but he announced it as though he just passed it and solved the crisis that he made up in the beginning and he's very good at distracting the media from a more important issue i mean all he has to do is you know tweet out such and such is such a loser. Uh, hey, Israel, don't let these two congresswomen in your country and the media, just like a trained puppy, there, there they go. They take their off the ball. So like I say, it's not anything that's breaking news, man. It's just something that weighed on me since our last uh, episode. And I just wanted to, to get your thoughts on it, man, and just vent a little bit before we move on to this next topic. So there's a young lady by the name of Renee Bach, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. And I just wanted to get an audience uh, a, little, a quick story on her because chances are you haven't heard of her. So Renee Bach first went to Uganda as a teenager, and she went there on a, uh, a missionary, and she was inspired. So when she came back home, she got with her church and I, I believe several other churches, raised enough money, and wound up moving to Uganda. She bought this big house, and... She decided to, I guess, uh, serve mal- malnourished, malnourished uh, children over there. And so there's this kid by the name of Patricia who was severely malnourished, and her parents didn't quite know where to take her. And so they had heard of, as they said, the, the white woman with the hospital in the city of uh, Jinja. So they took their daughter there to get food. So this is in 2009 when Renee Bach uh, set all of this up. And, you know, she wanted to she wanted to help. She wanted to do something. She was inspired. The problem is, Frank and listeners, she's a 20 year old with absolutely no medical training whatsoever. So it's one thing to feed kids. But from the year of 2010 to 2015, she served over 940 kids. 
105 of them died in her care and the Uganda government is suing her because they're saying, hey, you're not a doctor. You had no business doing these things. So I believe, Frank, her words are going to come back to haunt her because she kept a journal of everything she did. And she used words like we and I put the IV in the kid's arm or I, you know, applied this method to him to to them. And what broke this story open is because at first when she first opened the facility, she had no nurses, no doctors whatsoever. She did wind up hiring three nurses like two years later. One of the nurses she hired by the name of Jackie Kremlin was there. She signed on to volunteer for a year. And what made her kind of step away from the situation was she points out this story where where a kid was like severely ill. And I guess Renee had been trying to, you know, do whatever she knew how to do. So she called a nurse. It was like the middle of the night. The nurse came and she recalls when she got there, uh, Renee was like, hey, I looked on Google and, you know, this is not supposed to be happening. So I don't think it's this disease. It may be that. So she clearly should not have been doing any type of invasive uh, procedures on anybody. And so, you know, Jackie was like, you know, whoa, this doesn't seem right. She wound up leaving three months, even though she signed on to be on for a year. And she didn't immediately report Renee. It was when she talked to other nurses that were still there and the conditions were getting worse and worse. I said all that to say this. It sounds like a a global case of the Good Samaritan law because Renee is saying, hey, look, I was just trying to help. I was just feeding these kids. You know, I wasn't doing anything that I wasn't trained to do. And the Ugandan government is saying, yes, you were. So it seems that her heart was in the right place, Frank. But she may have, by not having the knowledge, not having the medical training, of those 105 kids that died, some of them probably could have been saved if she not if she was not, you know, I don't I don't know, imitating a hospital. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on who you think is right and wrong in this instance. And this is a story that you actually brought to my attention. So I'm curious in how you came across this story as well. So as far as I came across the story, I was, you know, I sometimes get uh, look at NPR and they have some really good stuff. And so that, that was an article that they had were featuring. Um, that's how I came across it. I mean, as far as how I, I feel about who's who's wrong, I think I think there's a couple things, a couple narratives that need to be explored here. One of the things in the article was she said that God had called her. And, 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 and for those who listen to the podcast and over the years, I, you know, I obviously have, you know, certain a whole certain views about God, about Jesus. And, and, and so I have an issue with not saying you heard from God, but what, what one thing I will say, and I don't want to get into a, a Bible study here, but what I'm saying is when you hear from God, there's it's, it's one thing you hear something right, but you need to have a confirmation. So it's like, it, and it, a confirmation generally comes from other people, and I get it. You're, you're saying, oh, well, other people supported her, but what I'm saying is she was not qualified as a doctor to run this facility. And so to me, why would God call you into a position where you are, you know, basically not able to to take care of the people you need to. God, when he calls your situation, he will provide resources for you. So this is this is for somebody else listening to this podcast too. If you feel like you're being called to something and the resources aren't there, then maybe God didn't call you. You just wanted to do it. And and I'm not saying that I haven't been in that position. I'm just saying that we got to quit putting God where in front of our ideas and then when it don't work out, being like, I don't know what happened. 
You know what I'm saying? We really have to be careful with that. So I think there's a little bit of that here. That's one narrative. Then there's the white supremacy narrative from a standpoint of uh, there, there's this idea that the white missionary going over to, you know, these the third world country or, or the lesser country is providing some great service because, you know, they're providing Jesus and they're providing. It's like she was providing no great service because she was not qualified as a medical um, person in any. She wasn't a nurse. She wasn't even a medical technician. She was just like me or you. She just had, uh, uh, you know, she didn't have any understanding of there, there, there's a story in there about how she ran an IV and almost killed a little girl. This little girl actually survived, but how many little girls or boys did she run an IV and actually kill or do another procedure? We don't know. We, we don't obviously have access to the journal. So I would say that there's another problem with, with like, like going back to the white supremacy thing where, where white people feel like, you know, you, you can't, so you, you, you look, you, you thumb your nose, but Freddie Gray, Philando Castillo, all these things that are happening in your own country, but you go all the way around the world to serve some other black people because you're not concerned about their status because they're, you feel like they're below you. And that's not, and that's not righteous. That's workspace righteousness, and you're not providing anything. God's not asking people to do that. You're not, you're not. If you, you're going over to serve people because you have a superiority to feel better than them, you're not providing anything. You know, everyone is the same. So it's like the fact that you thumb your nose up at brown people here, and you're all the way across the world trying to save brown people over there. It's a joke. And then on top of that, we know she won't be extradited to Uganda because let's let's count the ways why a white woman won't be extradited to Uganda. I mean, come on, if Amanda if they couldn't get Amanda Knox back to Italy, you know, they're not gonna get Renee Bach back to Uganda. Come on now. And and the thing is, she was celebrated. She had a blog, and that's the thing too, like they, they, there are people now still thinking they did what's right. Well, well, you know, those kids would have died anyway. They were bad off. And that's not true. I, I, I'm so tired of the narrative of Africa being like it's this third world country. Yes, there are some parts that are definitely undeveloped, but like the African, first of all, life started in Africa. So the idea that now Africa is like the cradle of like stupidity when it was a cradle of life, it doesn't even make sense, right? Like there have, there have been things in place to cripple the African nations as they exist now, but to act like the, there's not brilliant minds there, and there haven't always been brilliant minds there, is, is, is just a bad narrative. You know, white people are not the smartest people. Like, you know, and, 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 and I know I'm saying this to people like, man, Frank, you're going in, I, and I'm white, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm not talking to you, right? I'm not talking to you. I'm, I'm tired of being, um, you know, at a point where it's like, black people in Africa are not um inferior right in any way and and so when you and when so when anybody who's ever said go back to africa you're basically saying go back to an inferior place no 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 you came from that place all of you all of you so we're not going back we go if i'm going back we all going back and and, and so i just feel like what needs to be understood and i hope people get from the story is there there is a responsibility in, in, in taking care of, of people. There's a stewardship that we have in this life that God gives us. I don't care if you believe in God and I don't care if you believe if you're in Islam or whatever you believe in. I don't care. I'm not here to, to convert you to anything. I'm just saying you have a stewardship over your life and that will, whatever you believe in your judgment, that's going to count against you when you do that. She had a stewardship over those children. Like for whatever reason, she was in that position and she was a horrible steward of that. And so that's something that we should all take something as like, what is in our care? What are we stewarding now? And make sure we're not mismanaging it because she mismanaged those children. That's the worst part of the story is that these children were were vulnerable and they were given into her hands and they ended up, most of them, a lot of them, 
a good, you know, basically one out of 10, 10% of them ended up worse off. And maybe some of them are, are even dying later. You know, we don't know all the numbers, but the point is that was too high a rate of death and, and she was not in the right and she was, and there's no justification for what she did and the people that supported her and they should all be examined, but they won't be because we know how the story's going to go. I mean, there are people that are going to, in the comment section that are, you know, people that are going to say, oh, she was a hero. These little black kids, they would have died anyway. She did all she could. Yeah. I mean, it's almost it's almost I'm treating done. them like a, a um, <clears throat> like a lab rat right. or whatever like that. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the passion you uh, display, man, is pretty much where the Ugandan government is coming from. Because you know when you look at her keeping a journal of everything, and you know being in way over her head, it's it's kind of like okay, you can you can be on the side of well, hey, her heart was in the right place, but that can be dangerous at times too because. They were referring to her as the, the Mother Teresa over there, and I'm sure that was getting to her head. And for me, if you truly wanted to do what was good, you forcefully let them know, hey, this is not a hospital. I am not medically trained. Let me help you find proper medical care instead of trying to, you know, patch it up and, and do it yourself. And like I say, I think she's right, rightfully being held accountable. But like you say, I don't think much is going to happen with this. There is a hot topic going on right now, uh, and it has nothing to do with politics. But it's it's so hot that I had to, I had to touch it. And Jay Z and the NFL, Frank and I have uh, discussed the NFL at length over the last few years since Kaepernick protested. And just the fallout from that. So we have been over that over and over again. But so Jay-Z has now signed on with the NFL and he will be in charge of the music for the halftime shows of the Super Bowl. And he will also have this uh, program called Inspire Change. Now, it's been very vague and broad on what exactly they'll be doing, but it's said to, I guess, be involved with social issues, assumingly. Assumingly, <laughs> assuming that it would be for minorities. I've seen two prominent sides of opinions on this, Frank. One side who were like super Jay-Z fans and the man can do no wrong ever are saying, yes, great, uh, black excellence. That's right. We got a seat at the table. Jay-Z won. He know what he's doing. That's right. Go ahead. Like they're cheering him on without knowing absolutely None of the details because they didn't give us any. Uh, and then you have the other side that's calling him a sellout and an Uncle Tom, which I also don't get. I fall somewhere in the middle. And I feel like if you were not a fan of Jay-Z and you already disliked him, then your opinion about this is already formed. And you're one of the ones calling him a Tom. If you just love Jay-Z and have been to every concert and bought every album, then you're applauding this. You don't care what the details are. He's a billionaire and he got a seat at the table. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a Jay-Z fan. I think he's one of the greatest. I think he is the greatest of all time to do it. My issue, Frank, is with the NFL. And I do not trust that league. We're talking about a league. And I'm not going to go down the whole laundry list. I'm just give you a few items. We're talking about a league that displayed fake patriotism by having these soldiers come on the field when all along they were charging our military to do that. We're talking about a league 
during the whole um, incognito and the, uh, I think his name was Jonathan Martin, the whole bullying case with the Miami Dolphins several years ago. We're going to form this panel with Tony Dungy and, and Dan Marino and all these, you know, highly respected people. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. That panel never formed. Nothing ever came of that. We're talking about a league that resisted that concussions are caused from the high impact that these players have on one another. And we're also talking about a league that blackballed Colin Kaepernick for kneeling on a field. So I don't trust them. And for me, Jay-Z has done some great work. He's done some great work. You mentioned Freddie Gray in your last argument. He did some behind-the-scenes work with that. We know about his work with Meek Mill. He brought to light the whole Khalif Browder thing in Rikers Island. So he's done some great things, and he definitely should be applauded for that, man. But he's not above criticism. So for me, it's kind of I, I have like a wait-and-see approach to it. Let's wait. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's see what's going on with this. I think he's earned the right to not be called a Tom and a sellout automatically. But he's a billionaire, and we know how billionaires get their money. You have to screw over one or two people to become a billionaire. That's just the reality of it. So he's about his money first. So I don't know if we should just automatically be applauding it yet. I think we should just wait and see. What is your take on Hove and this National Football League coming together after being at odds just a couple of years ago? He even wrote a lyric in his song that the NFL needs him. They don't need he doesn't need them. So what were your thoughts on all of this that's going on? Man, this is this is a complicated situation. Um, I think I think the main thing you pointed out was, and something that people don't don't consider is their preconceived, you know, their 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 implicit biases that they keep, right? So right now there's camps of like you said, the Jay Z fanboys, they're like, oh, this is great, <laughs> and then the people who, you know, have always hated Jay Z or felt like he was shady or they're still mad at him for cheating on Beyonce, if you know, four 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 whatever, you know, they mm-hmm. they, they hate him. Um, and, and so I, I, my, my thing is I'm just taking Jay-Z out of it. Let's just, let's just take who he is out of it. I'm like, what is the NFL? My thing is, what is the NFL attempting to do? What are they attempting to do? You gotta look at that, right? That's the angle that nobody's looking at. They're, 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 they're attempting to end all on-field demonstrations. Cause what you, what you've seen recently is Eric Reed, who is still playing in the NFL. Don't know how mm-hmm. he is. <laughs> He's, he must be pretty good. <laughs> Um, he plays for the Carolina Panthers. He played Carolina Panthers. He plays safety, and he basically blasted Jay Z because Jay Z apparently said something in the press conference. And I haven't read it, the press conference. I read Eric Reed's statement where Jay Z said something about we're past kneeling. Eric Reed, yeah. however, kneeled, I believe, in the most recent preseason game, whether it was on Thursday or Friday, whatever. I don't know when these games are. Um, I, I, I personally don't watch the NFL, and that's another story in itself. And that's not necessarily because of the Kaepernick thing, but I'll, that'll be another episode to explain that. But um, I, I do follow the news around it. So my thing is the NFL has an image problem. They don't want players protesting and people singing the anthem protesting. They're trying to say, look, we're getting, you're bringing in, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's the typical white guy move. We're going to bring in a, a known black guy who has mainstreamed and we're going to say, Hey, he's kind of represents you. And he kind of says that you can kind of chill out. So now you can chill out. And I think, that is is a very difficult thing because 
you know, Jay-Z is in a different class and he thinks differently. And so these guys, while they might make a little bit of money, most of these guys are going to get broke. Most NFL players are not. They're millionaires only for the time they're playing in the league. They're not really millionaires long term. Their balance sheets are not projecting them to be even millionaires five after five years after they retire. So they haven't. They, they're in the, they're in a certain class mentally that Jay-Z has been ascended from for years. So Jay-Z's kind of like, yeah, we're past kneeling. We're going to do this and that. And so it's like he's not as attached to the original movement. So while he might have good intentions, the movement loses its steam because the, the root of the movement now has been cut in Kaepernick, right? He's nowhere near to be found. And so then you have Jay-Z kind of like, oh, well, it's almost like it's, um, the analogy would be like this. Oh, Obama's the president. He got reelected. Racism is over. So now it's like, oh, Jay-Z, the rapper, the, you know, rapping is very black. Hip hop very black. If the NFL hired a, put a, went in, went in, went in bed with a hip hop guy, then there's no need to kneel. They're obviously down with social justice because rappers rap about social justice, right? So by that, you know, analogy, it's all good. And, and so that's what they're going for. I mean, these guys, like you said, all these guys didn't make billion dollars, billions of dollars for a reason. All the NFL owners are billionaires. It's not even like the NBA where there's partial owners. All these, most of these guys in the NFL fully own their team. There's very, there's, there's, there's a few minority owners here and there, but most of these guys, they're the, they're the big time owners. So these guys are, are about that money, about that image, and nothing was worse for them than seeing the players, you know, on a knee or sitting down or doing something, you know, divisive. That talk that got people talking about something other than the game. This this move to get Jay Z was to get people talking about the game on the field and, and and to get them to not address any of the issues off the field that the NFL has you know pressure has the ability to do. See the the thing that Colin Kaepernick was um, you know he wanted them to put their pressure on senators to make laws that would protect um, how would you say the victims of these police brutality crimes, right? Not so yeah. much, um, you know, make mand mandatory prostitution sentencing if you find that, that an officer unlawfully discharged his weapon. All these things are things that could have um, been maybe put in place with the right pressure, but now you've lost the momentum. Now it's just turned into like a circus actor where it's like, well, now we got Jay-Z and a, a black guy can rap in the Super Bowl and now, you know, what's the big deal? And I mean, it's, it's just too much. It's, it's, I like you said, let's do a wait and see and let's make sure that um you know we're not I don't want to prejudge what's going on, but what I'm saying is the problem is the movement Jay Z is more like the owners than than he is like the players or Colin Kaepernick. And that's not saying Jay Z is is a sellout, it's just that where he lives and what he does and how he moves, it's like when you when you're when you're where he is, you don't move like we move. I mean I'm not trying to mm -hmm. insult us by any means, but it's just like we have a certain understanding of, of, of the ground level that is lost when you get to a certain place. And so it's like, it's hard to be a woke billionaire. I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's it impossible. Is. I'm just saying it's, it's, you know, it's it hard. Yeah. It's hard. Right. Because. And you, and you mentioned, I mean, he may, there's a report that just came out that he may literally become an owner. There's a report that just came out that said that he's going to be, a majority owner stone of some team. But I would say my immediate criticism, the only thing that I immediately criticize, because the rest of it is like some people were saying he's a hypocrite for, I believe, telling I think it was Travis Scott telling him not to do the halftime show last year. And uh, he was upset that Big Boy chose to do it. Uh, and so that's that you, you got that out there. And then I've been concerned 
that he's just going to be a blackface shield for the league. So when anything happens that, you know, deals with social justice or whatever, they're going to, you know, wash their hands up and say, hey, that's what we hired Jay-Z for. Talk to him. That's what he's for. And they're they're able to go on and do business as usual. But my initial criticism and I had a coworker that disagreed with me on this, but I think it was pretty arrogant for him to say when we're past kneeling, when you're not one of the ones that was kneeling. And my coworker retorted that, oh, he's been kneeling for years with all the things he's been doing. No, I can't equate those two. Yes, he's been doing some great things. But at no point has Jay-Z jeopardized his job in the name of speaking up for social justice because Jay-Z has essentially been his own boss. And in the, in the hip hop culture, if anything, that bolsters his status. On the flip side, you got Colin Kaepernick who actually did risk his job and ultimately lost it. So I don't think you can equate, yes, what Jay-Z did was good, but you can't equate that to kneeling. So for him to come out and say, we're beyond that, that's just like, if I had some coworkers that decided to protest for better wages and better work conditions and I didn't protest with them, but then came out and say, hey, you know, I think we're beyond that. I am, I don't think I'm qualified to say that if I didn't even participate in it. So, you know, what Colin did, it brought attention to a worthy cause. Uh, you know, the NFL, it definitely was an issue for the NFL. They wind up paying him an undisclosed amount. They tried to come up with different solutions that were not good enough in many people's eyes. So that's why they're pulling this move with Jay-Z. So I think you have that. And the other criticism that I think people are looking at is, hey, you were the one that were, you know, taken up for Colin Kaepernick. You wore his jersey on Saturday Night Live. Why not bring him into this deal and, and help him? Just like Nike did with Colin, many people feel like Jay-Z should have done that with Colin. Now, I don't know if Jay-Z asked Colin and Colin turned it down. We don't know all the details. I'm just telling you what some of the criticisms are. And again, I did think that was arrogant of him to say we're beyond kneeling. But other than that, I am willing to wait and see. I don't need to get a hot take out there right now without all of the information. He may do some great, wonderful things with this league and really turn it around. We don't know. So I think it's okay to wait and see. And we'll see. Before we get out of here... <clears throat> Frank, um, the Dow and the stock markets have taken a tumble the last two weeks. And you got your boy, President Twitter Fingers, saying how we're going to be taxing China. And, the, you know, the, the stock markets reacted to that. And then he wound up backing away once again, causing a crisis and then solving it on his own. Uh, but a lot of people and, and reports are out there that we are headed for another recession. And that doesn't mean much to some people, but it means a lot to people who have 401ks, who may be in a, a thrift savings plan, any type of retirement fund. Your funds are, are attached to these stock markets and they're t they've taken a tumble, depending on how your fund is set up. They've taken a tumble the last two weeks. You've lost some significant amount of money. So I wanted to talk about this subject because, A, I don't know a whole lot about it. And I know, B, you do. You even have a separate podcast, Christ Over Crypto. So I just kind of wanted to give you the platform to tell our listeners a little bit about cryptocurrency, because if our money is going to be taking a dive in the traditional money sense, it's good to be knowledgeable of some other 
type of revenues to have to save and to protect yourself against recessions and, and uh, depressions and anything else that, you know, comes about our country. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about, A, what cryptocurrency is, how people can get into it, and why you think it's a beneficial thing to, to look into. Man, thank thank you for the platform. I don't take that for granted. And and yeah, I do have another podcast, Christ Over Crypto. You can find that on all the same platforms that Byron mentioned. You can find Politically Entertaining if you're interested in finding that. Um, as far as I don't want to go on too long because this is really something I, I like, um, very passionate about. So what I'll say in a couple of things to, to get your, your understanding of it is we're talking about diversification, right? Why, why should, let's a, ask the questions. Why should you use cryptocurrency? Why should you even invest in it? One is, we're talking about diversification. One of the things that Byron just mentioned was your 401k, your thrift savings plan, um, other things are, are tanking, right? But one of the one of the other things to understand is the, the, what is the underlying asset in all of those um, accounts? It's the U.S. dollar. So that means that your savings accounts, your annuities, your insurance plans, everything is affected by the U.S. dollar, like inflation or recession, that can affect the value, right? Because if, if inflation happens, then you have you, you have a million dollars and it's not a million dollars, right? Like, so those are real things. So if you're not, even if you think you're diversified along, along insurance and you have, you know, different um, annuities and your 401k, you got an IRA, if everything is tied to the same underlying asset, you're not really diversified. So from that point, cryptocurrency is not tied to any fiat currency. Um, uh, one thing to understand about fiat currency, when I say that, it's just paper printed money by the government. And so what I mean by that is you don't even technically own the money you have now. If everybody in America was to go to their bank, Bank of America, you know, Wells Fargo, and you name the bank, you go and try to withdraw your money, there's only a certain amount they have to have on, on, on hand to give you your money. It's called fractional reserve banking. And we have confidence in that because... You know, we've had confidence in it, but when there's a run on the banks, like in the in the, the Great Depression, the Wall Street crash in the 20s, um, you can you can see that um, that that the banks do not have the money that you that they say they have, and so that is kind of crazy, right? Because the banks go out and lend the money and they invest, and obviously we know by 2008 they invested in risky mortgages. We won't get into that, but the point is the bank takes your money and then does what they want to do with it. In fact, the bank can actually write you an IOU because now the bank can use your money. They, they, they have what they call a bail-in procedure where they can use your money on deposit to pay their debts, and then get, if you come back to get your money, they can say, here's here's your money, but we'll give you an IOU for it. Now, I know that doesn't happen, but it's 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 in there and it can happen. Read Read your fine print. For, for your bank. I know that's 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 opening some people's eyes, but this is really happening. I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I'm not like an anti world thing. Like I, I still have a bank account. I still, you know, believe you have to use dollars, but crypto I'm saying all this so that I can set up the stage for cryptocurrency so I'm not just some zealot saying you should invest in crypto, right? So now that you understand that, cryptocurrency in itself is is not it's it's a reward that comes from people who maintain an independent decentralized network. So what happens is cryptocurrency exists because there is something called a blockchain and there are people that maintain the blockchain, independent people who use their resources to maintain this chain and and through no they they don't have the only the incentive they have to keep the network honest is that it it basically rewards them for how would you say 
um, tr verifying transactions on the network, meaning like sending money from point A to point B. So every time a transaction is verified, a new new cryptocurrency is minted, and then that's how the miners who maintain network get paid. Now, to back up a little bit, because I know I might be losing people talking about miners and cryptocurrency and networks. Long story short, it's a if there's nobody who controls Bitcoin, and there's a group of independent people who maintain the integrity by the fact that they can get rewarded by doing so. And if you say, well, what, what's to stop them from being a bad actor and doing it? Well, there's a complicated math stuff in there, but basically it's not worth them to, to try to go against the system and cheat the system because it's it doesn't work out. And and I get into that in more deep depth and, and, and I have a book and a podcast and all those things like that. But the point is, understand that it's decentralized money it's not tied to anything so when you see certain things it was well, risky and, uh, uh, and 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 the price goes down it's volatile let's do two things to, to not confuse don't confuse volatility and risk right they could be the same but they're not always the same quick currency is volatile because it's not regulated right and there are some things that have happened that have been kind of shady but it's not risky because it's 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 an independent asset that's not it's a non-correlated asset which means that it's not tied to anything else also, you own it when you have it. So if, I, if you have one Bitcoin now, if you have your private keys, and, I, and that's another thing, but let's just say you have access to the wallet with your Bitcoin. You actually own the Bitcoin. Another person doesn't have it on loan somewhere. You don't actually have your dollars, right, unless you have them all withdrawn under your mattress, and that's another story in itself. So cryptocurrency is just a different way of Bitcoin in particular is a different way of looking at money. And I think that there's a lot of other cryptos out there, which I don't want to get into because they're not all a store of value like Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is the one thing that if you want to look at diversification, you should look at getting in Bitcoin. You can also hold Bitcoin in your IRA. You mentioned, um, you know, retirement plans. You, you can hold Bitcoin in IRAs. So it's not even something that's so wild and, 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 and crazy that you can't have, you know, you can have retirement in cryptocurrency as well. That could be part of your diversification. So, um, like I said, hopefully I didn't go on too long. And, and, and I know I don't, I don't even know if I arrived at a point but I know I need to stop now because I know this show can't go on forever. We'll be talking about cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted the listeners, man, to have, you know, a different idea. I, I'm sure by now you've at least heard of Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. And I just kind of wanted I know you're knowledgeable of it. And I wanted you to, you know, just give, give them the base information of it. And if they're further interested in it, like I said, Christ over crypto. Frank does that podcast. You can find it on the different podcast uh, platforms. And check it out. It's definitely worth looking into because, you know, like I say, we may possibly be headed for another recession. And I know people he mentioned 2008. I know people that lost a ton of money in their thrift savings plan and wound up having to move it to a more conservative fund because they would lost all their money. So it's definitely at least worth checking out. We're not saying that you have to, you know, go out and get you some Bitcoin, but, you know. You can't say you weren't told about it. And that's what we mostly do is just try to bring you information on different topics. I hope that you enjoyed the show. We do our best to bring you important information, passionate information, passionate topics that we feel like you should know about. Uh, we try to do this as often as we can. We enjoy doing it. So we just ask that you subscribe, tell a friend, help spread the word, help us grow, leave us comments, rate the show. And uh, before Frank takes us out, I just want to thank you guys for listening and uh, check us out for the next episode.
Man, uh, let me just say, man, let me thank, let me thank Byron, uh, just before we get out of here, the show, he's a showrunner, he puts together our show when, when, every time we do it, and so I just thank him for allowing me to get out here and just talk, um, and, and so that's, that's to me a great, uh, thing that we have, um, and, and so thank you for that, man, and I just want to encourage you guys, continue to listen to the show, um, and, and like I said, we're learning too, we don't pretend to know everything, but the main thing is, we're trying to give you a different perspective, we're trying to give you an understanding of ways you can make a difference as well because it's not just about listening and complaining and saying what was me it's like man there you can take control um you know of, of some of these things that's going on in your life i know sometimes it doesn't seem like it but you know if you dig deep enough there's ways you can make a difference so we want to uh, encourage you to listen to the show subscribe 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 uh, we love you guys and we'll see you soon on another episode of politically entertaining thank you for listening to politically entertaining be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates. Mm-hmm.